We're turning to scriptures to the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6. We're going to read from verse 19. Matthew 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single or clear, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise or uh, overlook the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, <coughs> which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. <coughs> Amen. Father, we pray for thy presence with us now as we consider these words for a short time. We pray, Lord, that thou would bless us with comprehension and with determination to take on board and into our hearts the words which our Saviour hath spoken. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to take the words of verses 19 through 21 as a text, and we'll make some reference to that which follows as well, no doubt. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. <clears throat> so we have uh, two things here then. There, uh, there are treasures. Well, that's the one thing, the treasures uh, which are spoken of. 
I want to speak, speak about these on three heads. First of all, the treasures of earth. Secondly, the treasures of heaven. And then thirdly, the greatest treasure of all. The treasures of earth. Well, what are they? Well, uh, there are here to be found the garments and the grain. And uh, for the sake of alliteration, perhaps, uh, the gold. The garments, the grain, and the gold. When we think about the garments, garments are very important in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I, I would think that perhaps we could say the garments have been important uh, throughout all of the ages. Uh, and we certainly see in this day and age the garments are uh, very important to a lot of people. Uh, the fashion industry uh, seems to be able to continue on and on, uh, coming out with uh, new designs and sometimes going back to old designs. New colors, new patterns, and everybody likes to have the latest uh, kind of clothing and uh, even styles of wearing clothing. We were just remarking last night that some of the young people coming in with, uh, with their T-shirts on and one arm in and one arm out. And that's a new, new thing on us. Uh, and, of course, we've seen different ways that people have, uh, uh, have worn their clothes over these last years. And these things catch on. So garments are an important part of our lives and when we think about our garments first of all we consider the projection of those garments that is what do they convey about us and they do say something about us don't they uh, when we look upon someone our first impression will be uh, concerning their their uh, their look and their garments will be a part of that first impression uh, we will see what their hair is like perhaps some people look at people's shoes certainly used to be done back in the day i'm not sure it's done quite so much these days because lots of people wear uh, trainers don't they so uh, trainers are trainers to a certain extent although even trainers themselves in some circles are very important they have the latest and the dearest and the brightest and so on uh, but our garments do convey something about us uh, they tell us whether we are uh, well dressed whether we are poorly dressed, whether we are uh, dressed in good clothes or just cheap clothes. Uh, they tell us whether our clothes have been ironed or whether they have just been uh, taken out of a, uh, of a machine, perhaps, uh, and put back on. They, they tell us an awful lot of things. There is a projection that says something about who we are. And we know that in the Bible, too, though garments often said something. Remember Joseph and how he was gifted by his father a coat of many colors. It said something about him. It said that Joseph considered him to be his firstborn, even though he wasn't the firstborn. Reuben was the firstborn. And then we can see others too who have received garments here in this portion of scripture. We read how that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So here is Solomon now arrayed in glory. And we can think of others too, no doubt, throughout the scripture. One thing which came to my mind was that parable which Jesus told about the wedding feast and how that they went out to bid people come in and, uh, and people didn't have time to come to the, to the wedding feast of the king's son. And of course the parable is about the, the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, being bidden uh, unto that great wedding uh, feast of the Lamb. <coughs> but at the end of that, it speaks about someone who was found in the wedding feast not having a wedding garment. And I was thinking about this recently. I was thinking about perhaps preaching on that. I have preached on it a few times before. But I was thinking, 
what did he look like then? Obviously, it was different to everybody else. Everybody else had a wedding garment, which presumably was provided to them by the king. And so everybody was dressed the same. That's very uh, significant. Well, I'm not preaching that sermon, so we won't go back into that too much. But this man came in without a wedding garment, presumably in his best clothes. Because usually when we go to a wedding, we dress up in the best clothes that we can find. Uh, our Sunday best, as it used to be called. And so here he comes in his finery, and yet finery is not what God was looking for. It's not what the king was looking for but the garment which he had given to everybody so that everybody was the same. And so he stood out like a sore thumb. It projected something about him. It projected his pride. It projected that he was someone who didn't need to be like everyone else. And perhaps he came uh, expecting to be welcomed and to be given the highest seat because of it. But he was cast out into outer darkness. The second thing we think about garments is their purpose. The purpose of garments, of course, first of all, is for protection. Uh, we could say for warmth, but that is a protection from cold. And so for protection, and some garments are particularly made for projection, for protection, aren't they? Uh, you have steel toe-cap boots if you're working on the building site, in case you drop something on your foot. You can wear uh, garments which are fireproof. If you're a racing driver, you may have those on underneath uh, your racing suit. Uh, so that you're not burned if the car catches on fire gives you a, a short time to get out uh, other garments which are worn for all kinds of different things that we do uh, so the purpose of them is to protect us to protect us from the cold sometimes to protect us from the heat uh, sometimes to protect us from uh, from water uh, i bought a, a, a suit the other day i was i was uh, power hosing the back uh, drive uh, back uh, garden in our house and um the, the spatter and the dirt was amazing and so I had to put everything in the washing machine afterwards so I bought a, 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 like a waterproof suit to put on like an overall to put on over it it's been too hot since then to wear that I'm not going out in that, no way but at uh, some point I will do uh, so waterproof so it has a purpose and then of course we must think about its provenance where does it come from why do we wear clothes and of course the Bible gives us the answer to that and the first clothes that were worn were they not the garments to cover the nakedness of our first father and mother when they had brought judgment and shame upon themselves and upon all of their posterity, including us, by bringing sin into the world? Was not the reason of those first coverings when God covered them in skins because of their nakedness, which they had never noticed until they had taken of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The provenance of clothing then is to cover up the sin and the iniquity which dwells within us and it has become something which actually projects pride. So we have become proud of that facade which covers us and now the world delights in the facade. It delights in uh, the latest fashions and of course the uncleanness and the filthiness which lies beneath in the human heart is overlooked altogether. I found a, a hymn, you'll be interested to hear, that this hymn was written by Isaac Watts, and it was written in a book which is called Divine Songs Attempted in Easy Language for the Use of Children. Okay? 
divine songs attempted in easy language for the use of children. Now you can make a judgment now on uh, the education system of our country and what it has become as I read this. Why should our garments, made to hide our parents' shame, provoke our pride? The art of dress did ne'er begin till Eve, our mother, learned to sin. When first she put the covering on, her robe of innocence was gone, and yet her children vainly boast in the sad marks of glory lost. How proud we are, how fond to show our clothes and call them rich and new, when the poor sheep and silkworms wore that very clothing long before. The tulip and the butterfly appear in gayer coats than I. Let me be dressed fine as I will. Flies, worms and flowers exceed me still. Then will I set my heart to find inward adornings of the mind. Knowledge and virtue, truth and grace, these are the robes of richest dress. No more shall worms with me compare. This is the raiment angels wear. The Son of God, when here below, put on this blessed apparel too. It never fades, it ne'er grows old, nor fears the rain, nor moth, nor mold. It takes no spot, but still refines. The more it is worn, the more it shines. In this on earth would I appear, then go to heaven and wear it there. God will approve it in his sight, tis his own work and his delight. Now the garments that we wear cover up our iniquities, but the garments of righteousness and the garments of praise are the blessings of God. Secondly, we think about the grain which is mentioned here. <coughs> it's mentioned because it says, uh, lay up not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth, which of course refers to garments, and rust doth corrupt. The word corrupt there is a word which means to eat. And so that corruption uh, is not just of things uh, which, are, which go rusty, but it is, uh, it is concerning anything which, which goes away, which is eaten up, which is destroyed, which has no uh, eternality about it. And so when we think about this, we could think about grain, because later on in this same chapter, the Lord Jesus says uh, and makes it this actual point, doesn't he? Saying in verse 31, therefore take no thought saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink and again verse 25 therefore i say unto you take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink nor yet for your body what ye shall put on so it is christ who is continuing on in this same theme through the chapter when we think about grain then we can think of one in the scripture in luke's gospel in chapter 12 who had so many fruits he said i have not where to bestow my fruits and then he says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I will be bu- uh, build bigger. But God said to him, Luke twelve twenty. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So here we have the grain. Here we have all of those things which we uh, bring to ourselves and store up for the future. The world is taken up with this, of course, and, uh, and this is what Jesus says in verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles or the nations seek. And 
we are taken up with making sure we have what we need for tomorrow and indeed for much further down the line the more we have the better what we do we work overtime we uh, gather in uh, all the funds that we can we make investments we we, we try to uh, improve every opportunity that we might become richer that we might be, a ha- be able to have more and one of the tests of this of course is when we come into the house of god do we tithe do we tithe our money uh, and the, the reason i say that is because it is a test about how much the riches of this world mean to us where we cannot take 10% of what the Lord has given to us and give it to his work, trusting him that he will increase what we have need of so that it covers anything that we give to him. And you can be sure that he will do that. If we remember the work of the Lord, if we remember the Lord and we are willing to say to him, well, I have this which by your grace I have and have received, and I return to you this, this part of it, uh, that it might be used of thy, for thy service. Then the Lord will not overlook that. He says in Malachi, bring you all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. And uh, I will pour you out a blessing uh, which you will not have room enough to receive. It is a test of, of, of where our heart is. Uh, and Jesus, of course, here is saying, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. And then he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Are we after gathering to ourselves, making more and more of the things of this world, buying clothes upon clothes, shoes upon shoes, bags or uh, bikes or cars or whatever else it may be, whatever may appeal to your sensibilities? Is it all about gaining those things? Or do we have a desire to know more of the blessing of the Lord? And then we come also to the gold, because he says about uh, where thieves break through and steal. And of course, in the days of the Lord Jesus, many of the houses uh, would have been made of mud brick. And in actual fact, uh, there are times in the scripture where it's mentioned about thieves breaking through the wall, breaking through the wall. So you could have your door shut, but because the house was made of mud brick, you could dig through the back of it. Or perhaps it was made uh, from sticks, as some places in the world still will build their houses in that way. Uh, there are parts of the world where uh, your house, really, and whatever you have in it, uh, is protected only by a sheet of corrugated iron, uh, which has been uh, leaned up against the back or held in position in some way, perhaps by some wooden bar, not that difficult to get into not like the houses that we have the thieves still manage to get in when we have uh, uh, certified locks and and locks on the windows and burglar alarms and all kinds of things are still managed to get in there so the gold which we seek to gather to ourselves in this world the Lord says don't lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth thieves can take it and we, we, we hear in this day and age that thieves don't even need to break into their house Uh, All they need to do is to phone some people and say, well, make your investment here. And the greed of the person says, well, if I can make that investment and get that return, maybe I should do that. And they discover all their money is gone. I've had uh, similar calls to my house and asking me to invest in this or invest in that. The first thing that comes to my mind is, do I need it? No, I don't need it. I don't need it. And therefore, even though it sounds like a a good thing, even though it sounds it may be legitimate, I just say no to all of it. 
because the Lord supplies my need and I don't need to go any further to try and gain anything more. And so uh, they get short shrift from me, whatever else it may be that they want to give to me. And they sometimes uh, argue and say, but this is the best thing you'll ever hear. And this is the greatest thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Who cares? Uh, what I have is all I need. So the gold. But then we come to the treasures of heaven. And we saw there in that hymn, which Isaac Watts wrote for the boys and girls, uh, how that he uh, would desire rather to set his heart to find inward adornings of the mind, knowledge and virtue, truth and grace. These are the robes of richest dress. These are the things which we should be seeking. We should be seeking how we might grow in grace. And if we take these things in a reverse order then, first of all, the gold of glory. What does gold speak of? Well, gold speaks about incorruptibility. We know that when golden hoards are found... Uh, in this day and age where people go out with their metal detectors and uh, they find some ancient treasure uh, the silver will be tarnished uh, but the gold will be just as it was when it was put in the ground because gold does not corrupt gold uh, does not waste away but it can of course be stolen and so we think about the gold we're thinking about incorruptibility untarnishability the lustrousness of gold the beauty of gold but when we take these things to a spiritual height, we are thinking about things which are eternal. The things which the Lord is able to give to us, which are untarnishable, which will last for eternity. And we begin upon this earth, again as Isaac Watts uh, puts it, it never fades, it ne'er grows old, nor fears the rain, nor moth, nor mold. It takes no spot, but still refines, the more it is worn, the more it shines in this on earth would i appear then go to heaven and wear it there god will approve it in his sight as his own work and his delight yeah those things those things of righteousness the the, the, the speaking to the lord in prayer the service of god we will continue those things in heaven they don't come to a cease we don't leave them behind uh, the lord says to that rich man with his grain he says to him Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then, shall who, uh, then who shall these things be? But that which we have grown in in our own souls, in our own hearts, those things we take with us. Those things will go into glory with us. There our treasure is. And there we have laid up in our hearts the blessing of God. Oh, we think also not just of the gold of glory, um, in fact, I was going to read first of all from Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. The Lord has adorned us with those things within our souls. We come secondly then to the grain of service. In John chapter 4, the Lord Jesus met the woman who was at the well. She, he had asked of her to draw water for him, and, uh, and she was amazed that a Jew should do that. Uh, but he said that if you knew who I was, he would have asked water of me, and I would have given you living water. But afterwards, the disciples come back. They had gone away to try and get some food for him, and he, they wondered why he was not hungry. And whether he had eaten, whether somebody else had given him food, perhaps this woman. But he says to them, 
My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. But Jesus has a grain, he has a meat to eat, which even his disciples didn't know of. And yet it is recorded for us so that we might meditate upon it and think, what is this service that sustains us so well and strengthens us? What is it that makes us strong? It is the service of the Lord. It is the preaching of the gospel. Even as I know the blessing of the Lord from preaching the gospel, from studying the scriptures, from reading those scriptures, from prayer, uh, from the service of God. It, it causes me to grow, makes me stronger. And so it would be for all of you. I, I'm no different to anyone else. Remember what James says about Elias. He was a man subject to like passions as we are. Elijah. And he, this great and mighty man of God who calls fire down from heaven. And yet he is just the same as us. And sometimes we can look to a preacher and say, well, it's all right for you. Uh, you obviously understand these things. But how? Well, because I've read them. And you can do the same. And we can all know the blessing of God in the same way. This is the grain. This is the treasure of heaven. To know the word of God. To lay up these things within our hearts. To live for the service of the king. So that in that day when we enter into heaven, we will be found that we have been exalted to a higher position in a higher service. Remember how he speaks about giving the talents to one uh, ten, to one five, to one one. And when he comes back, uh, the one with the ten has gained another ten. And he says, I will give you more. You will have ten cities. So when we think about what we do in the service of God here, where will we be in the servant service of God in heaven. The Bible tells us in Revelation we serve God day and night. Where will we be in the service of heaven? Will we be in the higher echelons of that service? Or will we be uh, the, the, in the lower parts because we have done little and we are saved simply by the skin of our teeth? And then finally, uh, here, the treasures of heaven, the garments, the garments, the garments of praise we could say again in Isaiah 61 verse 3 we read to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified these are the garments which the Lord gives to us this is the covering a covering of righteousness, a covering of praise, a covering of the blessing of God that we might serve him and glorify his name. I read this and I thought that the words are quite good the way they are, so I won't try to adapt them. I'll just read them the way they came. What are those true treasures which can never be exhausted? It is time we should seek and find these things, if they may be found. Do they exist? Oh, yes. They are things immortal, ever young, 
No moth corrupts the garment of a pure spirit. No rust consumes the armor of God, the shield of faith, the sandals of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of truth. No thief can rob us of the love of God, the knowledge of his will, the peace of Christ and his joy, which the world cannot give or take. These are the things which cannot be stolen. These are the garments which God has given to us. We should put on that breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation upon our head, being girt about with truth. These things will go on into glory. These are the treasures of heaven. And the Lord says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. But then we come finally to the greatest treasure of all, which kind of continues on because the greatest garment that we can wear is that robe of righteousness, which is given to us through Jesus Christ. That is his righteousness. And we come back to that thought of the the wedding feast and they all wore the same garment. The garment is the garment of righteousness. The garment is the garment of salvation. The garment is that which is given to us by the king. And it is a garment, there is none like it. The rich man came in and, and stood amongst them, not having a wedding garment. And he was projecting therefore his riches, his works, how well he had done in life. And the Lord says, go, bind him hand and foot, cast him out into outer darkness. For we don't stand in the presence of God by our wisdom. We don't stand in the presence of God by our works. We don't stand by our own righteousness or by our own smarts. We stand in the presence of God by his grace and by that gift of salvation. The greatest treasure of all then is the Lord Jesus Christ. We mentioned there Isaiah 61 and verse 3 about the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But in that chapter, Isaiah 61, we read this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he goes into the uh, synagogue on the Sabbath day in Nazareth, where he was brought up. And we read in Luke's Gospel, in chapter 4 and verse 16, that he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, which is Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears, because Jesus Christ is the one upon whom the Spirit of the Lord is is come. It is he who is anointed to preach the good tidings unto the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and the opening of the prison to them that are bound 
and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Today is that acceptable year. Today is the day of salvation. Today we might know the greatest treasure of all, and that is that salvation which is wrought through Jesus Christ. And all that we might learn then, not to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. For we know not how long we will be here. We know not how long they will last. We know in fashion senses, things are out of fashion within a couple of months. But we know this, that the robe of righteousness is eternal. And the robe of salvation will bring us into heaven. We will not be cast forth into outer darkness bound hand and foot if we are wearing the garments which the Lord has provided us. We come, therefore, to trust in him. And we pray that the Lord would work in us, that we might know the greatest treasure of all, and those treasures that come with him. For he that delivered up his own son for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things, that those treasures we might lay up for ourselves also in heaven. May the Lord bless us as we seek both to understand and to do these things to the glory of his name. Amen.